0: Great moments are born from great opportunity. You shouldn't have any doubt in your mind about what you're supposed to do tonight and about how you're supposed
1: to do it. This is your time. It's time for the OSAA Today podcast with your host, Billy Gates. And welcome in to another edition of the OSAA Today podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gates, and we've got a great show for you today. Jerry Ulmer, the head writer and co-founder of the OSAA Today, stops by. Had a nice phone conversation with him. We'll get to that here in a minute. But before we start, you can find this podcast on iHeartRadio on the uh, mobile app and online at RIPCityRadio.com. And eventually, I think it's going to be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, that sort of deal. Just have to play that waiting game with that first podcast. It's just a big technical thing. So I talked to Jerry about football. There are a couple big upsets uh, last Friday night that we chatted about. And we talked about how him and John Tawa got OSAA Today off the ground last year. So here you go. Have a listen. Here on the OSAA Today podcast, we have the head writer slash co-founder of the OSAA Today, Jerry Ulmer. And, Jerry, I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate you joining us today.
0: All right. Thanks, Bill, for having me.
1: A big night, Friday night here at high school football in Oregon. A couple games stood out to me, a couple upsets, actually. Uh, first one I'd like to talk about, the Aloha Jesuit overtime thriller. The Aloha Warriors snap a long streak of futility against the Crusaders, win 42-41 to in overtime, Jerry, when you had a chance to talk with Coach Bill Volk for your uh, What Happened This Week piece on OSAA Today, what did he have to say?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, like the first comment in, in that piece was that, you know, uh, he said he, he thinks they shocked themselves, which, um, you know, they've been building up and they've, you know, they've beaten some decent teams, but, uh, I don't think a lot of people thought that, that they could go in and, and, and do what they did. And I, and that group might include them. I mean, they were, they surprised themselves. Like he said, you know, that, that was like the old miracle movie. You play them ten times and they might win nine. And that happened to be their night. Um, but, uh, this gives them a real shot of confidence now. I mean, who knows what they're capable of doing. After doing that, but uh, boy, you know they had they had just been getting hammered by Jesuit ever since they beat him in 2010. They've been getting outscored 54 to five in eight consecutive losses, an average of 54 to five. They lost to them 56 to seven last year, so they've made up a lot of ground in one year. They got a special group there with with uh, the senior quarterback Timmy Dennis Jr. So this is going to be a fascinating thing to watch unfold over the over the rest of the season. It's just to see. If Aloha can uh, maybe contend for a Metro title.
1: Yeah, if they get in the Metro League title hunt, that would be something uh, for the Warriors, considering they haven't been very good the past few seasons, like you were uh, outlining there. So when you talk about the Warriors, I mean, kind of the straw that stirs the drink is quarterback Timmy Dennis Jr. He's been having a tremendous season so far. I mean, as far as what Coach Volk told you, or maybe somebody, some other people have been telling you, I mean, can you get a read on, on this quarterback who seemingly, you know, came out of nowhere?
0: Well, you know, I haven't had a chance to see him play. But, um, you know, I, I know he's a he's a big kid, you know, and he, he, he moves well. The coach seems to think that he's got a, a good arm. He, he seems to think that he's uh, being overlooked as a college prospect. I guess we'll find out the rest of the way and, and see just how much he can do. But right now, after after four games, he's got... Almost 1,500 yards passing and 20 touchdown passes. You know, they're not running the ball very much. I think they had negative rushing yards against Jesuit. So they're relying on him a lot. And he's got, he's got some great receivers. They've got very good chemistry. So, you know, the this this could be their time. I mean, I think a lot of people remember what happened in 2010. They, they built up to that year. And of course, back then they had Thomas Tyner. Which uh, you know that uh, that'll take you quite a ways, and and uh, took him to the state title. So you know who knows? Maybe this is another one of those situations with Loa, Although they probably don't, they probably don't want to go that far. It's going out on a limit to that to that extent. But uh, um, you know, I, I think they know that they've got a little bit of a target right now, which they're probably not uh, they're not used to that. But uh, you know, it'll it'll be fun to see how it, how it plays out.
1: Absolutely! Congratulations to the Warriors on that big win for the program. The other game that caught my eye, Tiger 31, Lake Oswego 7, the Tigers take down the defending state champs by essentially taking the Class 6A Offensive Player of the Year out of the game. I mean, how else did Tiger contain Lake Oswego's potent offense?
0: Well, you know, if, if everybody knows that that Lake Oswego, their, their offense begin, uh, starts and then finishes with Casey Filkins, the the cowbound running back. and Tiger just said, you know what? we're gonna, we're gonna put nine in the box or however many it takes in the box, we're going to take him out and you're gonna have to be us some other way. And uh, that worked. It, it, it helped that LO was missing their best receiver and Thomas Dukart, who suffered a broken thumb the week, the previous week against Oregon City. And then, um uh, their other really good receiver, Malcolm Williams, who had a big first half, he got, he went down with an ankle injury, didn't play in the second half. So, uh, Lake Oswego's offense in the second half was just basically crippled. They couldn't do anything. They they had one first down and like 12 yards in the second half. Uh, Tiger controlled the clock with their, with their running game. And yeah, it just got away from them. It was, I don't think that score is necessarily indicative of, of, uh, you know, how those teams compare. And on that night, that, 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 uh, Tiger was definitely that much better. Um, it would be interesting to see what would happen in a rematch. I know Steve Corey would, would probably have a few, uh, tricks up his sleeve to, to, uh, remedy that, that situation with, with putting all those guys near the line of scrimmage. Maybe it shouldn't be too surprising though, considering, you know, Tiger's beaten them five in a row now. I mean, that's been their LO's Achilles heel. Uh, you know, ever since Tiger joined the Three Rivers, I don't think Ello's beat them in the Three Rivers game. Um, you know, Tiger seems to—they really seem to have their number right now. Of course, they didn't play last year, and that was part of the fodder for for Tiger. They they uh, they took that to heart. They felt like ELO kind of dodged them or whatever, and uh, so they they came after him pretty hard.
1: We'll see if Tiger can keep this up, and then obviously once Lake Oswego gets healthy again. We'll see if they can uh, bounce back because I really feel like these two teams are going to be there at the end, both Tigard and Lake Oswego. So wouldn't mind seeing a rematch down the road come playoff time. Change gears a little bit here, Jerry. I know you started this last year with John Tala, the OSA Today feature on OSAA.org. And how did you get this thing um, off the ground last season?
0: You know, I, I go back a ways with John, you know, because I covered his son and every, I think everyone knows who Tim Tau is, the quarterback at Westland that, that went on to play baseball at Stanford. Uh, set a lot of all those passing records at Westland But um, uh, you know, John and I had, had talked about maybe doing something together. You know, John's had a lot of success in, in the field, you know, uh, with, uh, com. And yeah, so we, we approached the OSAA about the idea of, of, uh, providing original content for their website. Uh, with the idea of covering, you know, every sport, every classification, every corner of the state, and um, you know, the OSA, I think they they saw the bit, the same vision that we had, and we uh, just moved forward with it. It's been it's been a lot of fun.
1: And I'll tell you, man, it's been really cool to see uh, from an outside perspective. Last year, uh, you're giving press coverage to every, uh, you're trying your best to get to every corner of the state. You have contributors. Uh, both student and, you know, professional contributors from all over the state. Uh, I think the student contributors deal is really, really awesome. That's going to get this generation of kids jazzed for a potential career in sports journalism. I think it's great. So good on you, man. Make sure
0: we want to give everyone a little bit of. A little bit of coverage, you know. It's uh there's a lot of schools in the state that kind of they, they don't really have like that that, that media uh, presence, that, you know, that covers them. And um, you know, this this shines a pretty bright spotlight on them. You know, that everybody in the state gets a chance to to read about even even the small schools. As it should be. This is great. You mentioned the student contributors. You know, um, you know, we've had a, we've had some, and and you know, it's been great working with these kids. Um, we'd like to get more. So, um, you know, if, if there's some kids out there that would like to contribute, we'd you know, definitely get in touch with us because uh, that's part of what you know, part of the appeal of this is to get more kids involved and and you know, give, give them a chance to grow as writers and kind of show what they can do.
1: So there you have it, students. If you want a head start on a sports journalism career, let us know. You can contact me through Twitter at Gates on Sports, and you can email Jerry directly at jerryu at osaa.org. Jerry, thanks for taking the time, man. Always appreciate it. Okay, Bill. Thanks a lot, man. That was Jerry Ulmer of the OSAA Today, and we'll be back with more of the OSAA Today podcast right after this. And welcome back to the OSAA Today podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gates. And segment two, let's get to some volleyball, shall we? Statewide coaches' polls for each classification. Class 6A, your number one is Jesuit. Number two is Central Catholic. Number three, Mountainside. Number four, Sprague. Number five, West Lynn. Number six, Sunset. Number seven, Sheldon. Number eight, Summit. Number nine, Bend. And number 10, Wilson. There ain't no to start the season. Good for them. And Oregon City is receiving votes as well. Mountainside beat Jesuit 3-1 in a Metro League matchup on the 17th. And the Mavs won five in a row until they lost to Summit uh, 3-0 last week. So there's going to be a lot of good volleyball here in the Metro League uh, coming up. Class 5A, Wilsonville, number one. West Albany, two. Ridgeview, three. Crook County, 4, North Eugene, 5, Corvallis, 6, South Albany, 7, LaSalle Prep, 8, Dallas, 9, and tied for 10th are Thurston and Crater. Nobody else receiving votes there. Wilsonville, the number one team in 5A. They've only lost one set the entire season. They're 25 of 26 in sets. West Albany is 7-0 and in the Mid-Willamette Conference. And Corvallis has won its last five matches after falling to Valley Catholic and West Albany. Class 4A, number one Sweet Home, number two Valley Catholic, number three Sisters, number four Hidden Valley, number five Philomath, number six Cottage Grove, number seven Junction City, number eight is Banks, and making their way into the poll, number nine La Grande, and number ten Astoria. Also, number six Cottage Grove. It is their first time in the poll as well. Mary's Catholic also receiving votes there. Sweet Home beat Sisters three nothing. Uh, to take sole possession of the Oregon West Conference. That's going to be a pretty good battle there. Both teams, very good. Class 3A, Sandy M. Christian, number one. Cresswell, two. Catlin Gable, three. Salem Academy, four. Harrisburg, five. South Umpqua, six. Cascade Christian, seven. Horizon Christian of twelve ten eight, eight. Amity, nine. And Oregon Episcopal at 10. Burns also receiving votes there. Sandy M. Christian has not lost a set all season. 26-0 in sets. That is pretty good. Class 2A, Kennedy, number one. Portland Christian, two. Central uh, Central Lynn, three. Excuse me, I almost said Central Catholic. At Central Lynn out of Halsey, they're number three. Weston McEwen at four. Union at five. Vernonia at six. Monroe at seven. Coquille at eight. Sheridan and Delphian, both tied for ninth. And Lowell and Bonanza, each receiving votes... In the 2A poll. Now to the 1A poll. Number one, Powder Valley. Number two, St. Paul. Number three, Days Creek. Number four, Damascus Christian. Number five, Perrydale. Number six, North Douglas. Number seven, Crosshill Christian. It's their first time in the poll. Same with Mohawk. They're at eight. Central Christian breaks in at number nine. And North Clackamas Christian rounds out the top ten. Country Christian and Crane both receiving votes there in the 1A poll. A lot of great volleyball content on OSAA today. You can find that at OSAA today. Or excuse me. OSAA.org/today. I'll get that right one of these times. I promise I'll get it right. There is a feature story involving volleyball if I can find it here. Yes, the revamped West Albany Bulldogs come out firing. They have four new starters on their team and they have defeated the reigning 5A champ Corvallis. Jerry Ulmer writes this story as he does most everything on OSAA today. I know we just heard from him. He's a busy, busy guy. Uh, but West Albany, they're they're right in the thick of things. They're number one in the coaches polls, as I just said. And they have got, um, well, what their coach calls... Uh, some young kids that are learning and picking up things pretty quick. I would imagine they'd have to if they're you know going to be number one in the state. Uh, the seniors are doing a great job of leading, and my young kids have stepped up and filled those big voids really well. I mean, a lot of that is coaching. Kelly Backers and her staff are doing a tremendous job. And it's one of those things where program culture kind of takes over after a while. It's just uh, who's the next person up? Who are you going to bring up from your you know, youth leagues, from your middle school feeders? and your freshman teams and stuff who are you going to bring up to fill in for those seniors that leave to fill in for all that talent that's gone on to you know college volleyball or elsewhere it's that next person up mentality that a lot of these good programs have like they don't care what what the name of the player is they care about the skills and how are they progressing to fit a certain role and i think that One of the more successful teams, everybody understands their role and they thrive in it. They don't, you know, worry about, you know, being, maybe they're not a superstar, but they perform a task that maybe, you know, nobody else does as well on the team. And that's how they contribute. Maybe they're not the superstar who's getting, you know, 20 kills a game, but maybe, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're a defensive specialist. Maybe they're getting 10, 12, 14 digs a game. Maybe they're saving points. Maybe they're great servers. Maybe they know how to, you know, get a timely ace here and there or put the defending team at a disadvantage with a nice serve just right away. Get them out of system. Get a free ball over the net. Get it back to your playmakers. There's a whole lot of different ways in volleyball to contribute, as there are in many sports, and I think that The culture West Albany has created is that, you know, you're going to have your one or two superstars. You're going to have your one or two outside hitters um, that rack up kills and and get the glory. But it's also really important to do all the little things involved in volleyball. And I think they're starting to – well, they're not starting to. That program realizes that, and that coaching staff preaches it, and the kids buy in. And I think that goes across all athletics – That's kind of just a a, a blanket deal. If you have the role players who understand their role and they execute their role to the best of their ability, that's what makes a good team. And I know everybody wants to be the star, but not everybody can be the star. You have to have those role players who know what they're doing and perform their duties like they're supposed to. So short segment two, We're going to come back with segment three on the other side of this break. This is the OSAA Today podcast, and we'll be back after this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the OSAA Today podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gates. And final segment here, we're going to combine it cross-country and soccer. We'll start with cross-country first. Not a ton has changed from the uh, performance lists for Oregon here, uh, both on the boys' and girls' side. We had some changes on the girls' side, so I will go over those right now. We'll start with the girls. Uh, Leader, still at the top. Summit Senior Fiona Max, 17-14.3. It's a PR for her. She did that September 14th at the Northwest Classic. Lincoln freshman Kate Peters still in the two spot, but quite a ways behind Max. Uh, Peters' PR time is 17.48.8. Newcomer to the top five, of course, is from Summit. A sophomore, Tegan Knox, she ran a 17.50.7 at the Nike Portland Cross Country event on September 28th. So I'm recording this on the 30th, so she did that two days ago. Congratulations, Tegan. And the four spot, South Eugene, senior Madison Elmore, 17.56.5. And running out the top five, a newcomer to the top five, uh Franklin Jr. Autumn Ost uh 1758.9 for her. Moving over to the boys' side, Evan Holland, still your number one, and still the only runner to run under 15 minutes. His time of 1457.6, the best so far. I expect that to fall even lower as the season goes on. Number two, Park Sr. Ahmed Ibrahim, 1505. Number three, Forrest Grove Sr., Quincy Norman, 1506.3. And at number four, just a tenth of a second behind Norman, is Franklin Jr., Charlie Robertson. And rounding out the top five, Ashland Jr., Reed Pryor, 1514 his time. Most of these marks came September 7th at the Ash Creek Cross Country Festival. Uh, just to the early season meet. Guy's just looking for times, so expect all of these to go down in the next two, three weeks once things really start to heat up uh, on the circuit. Well, speaking of the circuit, the uh, state meet is going to have a little bit of a change to it. At least the course is in be, according to Doug Bender, who filed this piece with OSAA Today uh, three days ago, September 27th. Uh, it appears that the uh, state championship course at Lane Community College in Eugene is going to lose the fabled Poison Oak Alley portion of the course. And uh, as Doug writes here, as it turns out, the piece of land at the far east end of the course, across Eldon Schaefer Drive, doesn't belong to the college. So that ground is privately owned and it faces an uncertain future. It could be sold or developed, Binder writes. And he talked with OSAA Assistant Executive Director Brett Garrett, who is also the state cross-country meet director, and, you know, they, they didn't want to flip-flop plans, Garrett said every year, based on what lawyers were telling us. In several conversations with Lane Community College about what does it look like in the future, we decided to eliminate Poison Oak Alley and make modifications that make it similar to the layout used for the Northwest Classic. That meet just happened and is also run at Lane Community College. A lot of coaches, they're, they're fine with a change, um, according to Binder. Bender. There are some that like the intrigue of it, and there are some that liked it, you know, being distinguishable from the Northwest Classic course. But, you know, it's still going to be 5,000 meters, trading one flat section for another. So, I mean, it's not like it's a huge change for the runners or the coaches. It's just going to be a little easier for the coaches to stay in contact with their runners because when the runners would go down Poison Oak Alley, uh, you couldn't see them. Nobody else could get back there because uh, it was really tight uh, with all the shrubs there with the poison oak back there. That's why, you know, it gained the nickname Poison Oak Alley. Uh, it was about a half a mile, and it was like a narrow chute that went through a bunch of bushes where there was poison oak. So there's a little cross-country news there for you, and now we'll move on to some soccer. And speaking of soccer, there's a ton of good content uh, soccer-related on OSAA today, you can find that at www.osaa.org slash today. And on the girls' side, there's a story about defending for a champion Hidden Valley and how they're finding new ways to win after losing seven starters from last year's uh, championship team. Eh, that's just crazy how you can reload like that. Uh, there's something going on down there in Hidden Valley. Coach Dennis Hart uh, has a great system down there, and obviously... Knows how to win. You can read the whole story uh, by Jerry Ulmer. Again, osaa.org slash today. And on the boys' side of things, there's a feature story on the Liberty Falcons, coached by former George Fox player Garrett Blizzard, which I actually I watched him play uh, college soccer when I was going to Pacific. Uh, and he was obviously George Fox, great soccer player at Fox. Can't imagine him not being a great coach uh, for the Falcons. Also, Jerry Omer wrote this story, uh, headlined, "Boy Soccer Number 3 Liberty Uses Painful Playoff Loss as Fuel. They lost in the second round of the 6A playoffs last season, and they ran off seven straight wins uh, to start this season. So congratulations to Blizzard and the Falcons. And you can read the story in its entirety, osaa.org slash today. Jerry Ulmer does a great job, as always, and we heard from him earlier in the show. So now, let's take a look at some coaches' polls. Let's start with the girls, and there's some big, big girls' soccer news here. Jesuit owners of a 43-game winning streak had it snapped. They tied with West Salem 0-0. to and in this coach's poll, that actually cost them the top spot. Uh, Mountainside took over the top spot uh, with 119 points. Jesuit with 114 for uh, the two spot. Sherwood in at three. West Salem in at four. West Lynn five. Barlow at six. Sunset seven. Beaverton eight. Clackamas nine. And South Eugene and Wilson tied for 10th. Summit also receiving votes. Moving over to 5A, Crescent Valley, are number one. North Eugene, number two. Ashland, three, Who is this is their first entry into the poll. They weren't ranked last week, or last uh, poll, which had been two weeks ago. Thurston at four. Churchill and Corvallis tied at five. Scappoose at seven. Willamette at eight. Wilsonville at nine. Springfield at ten. West Albany, South Albany, and LaSalle Prep all receiving votes. Class 4A, Marist Catholic, number one. Hidden Valley number two, Gladstone three, North Marion four, North Valley five, Malala six, Legrand number seven, Philomath eight, Corbett and Woodburn both tied for ninth. Phoenix and Staten each receiving votes there. 3A2A1A Girls Soccer. Catlin Gable number one, no surprise there. Oregon Episcopal number two, Saniam Christian three, Portland Christian three, Cascade Christian or excuse me, Portland Christian four, Cascade Christian five. I just got rolling on the Christians. Brookings Harbor at 6, St. Mary's and Medford at 7, Pleasant Hill at 8, Yamhill Carlton at 9, and Riverside rounds out the top 10. Nobody else received votes in the girls' coaches' polls, which were published September 24th, so about four or five days ago. Moving over to the boys' poll. Get here, Class 6A, number one is Grant, number two, Summit, number three, Liberty, talked about them earlier. Number four, Reynolds, number five, Jesuit, Tied for 6 is Cleveland and Centennial. Clackamas is at 8, Tigard at 9, and Forest Grove rounds out the top 10 in Class 6A. Grant beat Summit 2-0 uh, to jump to the top spot. And Grant and Jesuit uh, play each other on Thursday. So that'll be a good one. That will be a good one. Class 5A, LaSalle Prep number 1, Hillsborough 2, Corvallis 3, South Albany 4, Ashland 5, Eagle Point 6, Ridgeview number 7, Wilsonville at 8, Hood River Valley at 9, and Churchill is at 10. North Salem, Springfield, Lebanon, and Willamette all receiving votes there. lasalle Prep beat Corvallis 4-1 to one in a rematch of last year's state final. Corvallis won that, actually, so. Moving on to Class 4A, Staten, you number 1, Woodburn, 2, Valley Catholic, 3, Hidden Valley, 4, Marist Catholic, 5, LeGrand, 6, North Marion, 7, Phoenix eight, Seaside nine, and Madras at ten. Marshfield and North Valley all receiving votes there. And I mentioned this in the last pod: Staten is the only team to beat Woodburn last year, and then they did it again. So good for Staten. That's going to be a tremendous matchup moving forward. Really hope those two teams meet in the final. That would be that would be fun. Three a two a one a boys soccer. Catlin Gable number one. Oregon Episcopal number two. Brookings Harbor at 3, Taft at 4, St. Mary's and Medford at 5, Daly Sound North Catholic at 6, Riverside at 7, Damascus at 8, Riverdale at 9, and Sutherland at 10. Pleasant Hill receiving votes there as well. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the OSAA Today podcast. I'd like to thank Jerry Ulmer of OSAA Today for his time stopping by and chatting with us. You can read all of his work osaa.org/slash/today, and all of the work of the many contributors um, to the project. Uh, there are some student contributors. There are some longtime sports writers that uh, do this as just kind of a fun little hobby. Norm Maves, looking at you, bud. Love Norm. What a guy. If you ever have a chance to talk with Norm Maves at a game, just do it. You'll get story after hilarious story. He's he's great. Um, yeah, you can view all the content, osaa.org slash today. You can find this podcast on the iHeartRadio app. You can also find it on ripcityradio.com, and it'll eventually be um, iTunes, Spotify, that sort of thing. There needs to be like a, there's there's like a, a lag time uh, for podcasts to get put on places like Spotify and iTunes. It's kind of their vetting process, but it'll be there eventually, so You can listen to us there. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening, and we're going to talk to you again soon.